0: Welcome to The Open Adoption Project. This is episode 70 for The Nelsons. I'm Lynette.
1: And I'm Sean. In today's episode, we continue our discussion of adoption in the media. And particularly, we look at the movie Instant Family.
0: In leading this discussion, we have Alicia and Shane back on the podcast. They were in a previous episode talking about their experience as foster parents. And now they're leading a discussion about the themes in the movie Instant Family and answering questions from listeners regarding what foster care looks like and what some of those realities and expectations are.
1: During the episode, you'll hear a couple audio clips uh, from the movie. We recommend that you watch the movie and you'll understand a lot more, but I think you'll get a pretty good sense for the scenes as you listen to them.
0: Yeah, so we think it's a really helpful episode. It's an interesting discussion for sure. Something I thought was kind of funny was that one of my very favorite people that we follow on Instagram is a foster parent named Lara and she's at foster.parenting. And she posted, I think it was the day after we had our discussion, where she just talked about how she personally really doesn't like this movie and doesn't feel like she connects well with it. Whereas I've also talked to many other foster parents who feel like it really just feels so true to life and true to their experiences. So of course, there's going to be a lot of different experiences, a lot of different opinions on this movie. So this is only a snippet of some opinions, but we hope it's really helpful for you and enjoyable to listen to.
1: All right, well, we'll jump to that conversation now. We're gonna get started. Um, but we thought before we jumped in that we would do some brief introductions. Shane and Alicia, do you want to just introduce yourselves briefly? Yeah, Alicia
2: and I, um, we're the Gallaghers. We live in the Bay Area and we have uh, been doing foster care since about 2020. I'm, I'm an engineer here in uh, the Bay Area. But yeah, that's, that's the really short version. Alicia is going to talk a little bit more about uh, our fostering situation.
3: Yeah, I'm Alicia. Uh, We have three kids with us right now. Um, Two of them we had fostered uh, with our first placement the first time Um, and then they recently came back into care with their younger sister and we had a chance to welcome them back into our home. Um, So I quit, I recently quit my full-time marketing job so I could be a full-time foster parent and it gives me more time to take care of them and then do things like this to talk with all of you. So we're excited to Uh, talk about foster care, and really about the movie Instant Family 2. It's one of our favorites.
0: Thank you guys so much. Something I really love about when you two talk about foster care is that you're so compassionate toward the biological parents and the challenging situations that they're in. And I love that you have said this amazing example of Having It's not an open adoption, I know, but like these really trusting, open relationships. I'm not sure what the best vernacular is for it, but I really admire that and love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Just for reference, Shane and Alicia were featured in episode 44 of our podcast, and it's a fantastic episode for anyone, I think, but especially anyone considering becoming a foster parent. Actually, Sean's sister, when she listened to that episode, called and right, right after and said, I really want to foster now that was an incredible episode just really struck this amazing balance for her of being real and genuine but also really pulling at her heart and saying hey how can i help these kids too and yeah,
1: yeah. she told me she's like i got home and i told my husband we're gonna be foster parents and his first reaction was like what <laughs> like where is where is this coming from but yeah w- what you shared with us in that episode was really impactful in fact lena and i have been looking into potentially fostering in the future as well, um, largely because of some of the experiences that we've had in conversing with Shannon and Alicia. So,
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Also, just always something to keep in mind when we're talking about foster care. uh, Reunification is the goal in foster care, right? It doesn't always happen. There's definitely situations where foster to adopt is the better option, but reunification is the goal. And so just remembering that frame of reference for our discussion, because it is different from other areas of the adoption community
1: yeah we talk a lot about adoption and while some foster situations do lead to adoption it's not it's not the close, purpose yeah. and, the, and the overall goal and uh, so that does differ a little bit from a lot of the conversation we normally have on the podcast but there's a lot that carries over and that uh that we can benefit from as we learn
0: yeah all right so we're going to really hand the reins over to shane and alicia but we're going to show four different clips from the movie throughout our discussion and talk about a few questions that have been submitted by our listeners and Shannon and Alicia will just share some of their perspectives and experiences as well and feel free as we said please feel free to share and comment in the chat or raise your hand we'd love to have more of a dialogue.
1: So I'm not sure Shane and Alicia, if, if you want to watch the clip first, if you want to lead discussion first, so we'll just turn it to you and we'll kind of follow your lead.
3: Okay. Sounds good. I guess first off, Tori and Ally, have you seen Instant Family before? Have you watched the movie? Okay. Okay. That's just good to know um, based on like how much detail we should go into. But uh, the backdrop is that uh, Pete and Ellie want to uh, start their family. They want to adopt. Uh, but then they get introduced to foster care and are introduced to a teenager Lizzie. And then after that, they learn that Lizzie has two siblings, and so they they go from thinking they would just foster uh, do foster to adopt for one, and then all of a sudden it's three of them. And so this clip is um, that meeting for the first time, so maybe we can just watch that and then discuss it.
2: Perfect. Hey, how's
4: it going? Uh, good. It's going really good. Um, Pete and Ellie.
3: Yeah, yeah, we know.
4: Come on in. Shh. Good luck with that one. She thinks she's better than everybody. Yeah. The other two is around, out back. We'll be in the shop. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hi. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Wagner? Oh, Mrs. Ellie, Wagner. Ellie and uh, Pete. You yes. don't have to call us <laughs> no, Wagner. No, just call please. us Ellie and Pete. Get to... Um, sorry about them. Oh, They're... please. Oh, it just seemed a little... Like brother and sister?
3: Hide down with that crap. We are not friggin'
2: related.
4: Friggin' related?
0: I'm really gonna miss them. That is a few you... no, 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 no. Please. No, 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 oh no. my I, goodness. You
4: made such a we're good impression s- on so us when happy we met you. To be we wanted talking. to kind of get to know you a little bit yes, more. Meet, meet your, your brother and brother sister.
0: sister. Yeah, they're actually like right outside if you guys want to follow them. Yes. The yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Good, good. Okay.
4: Juan. Lira. I want you guys to meet Pete and
0: Ellie. Hi.
4: Hey guys. Are we going to go stay at your house now? Um
0: well, you. you know what? We we met your sister, and she's so awesome. Yeah, she's really And she cool. was telling us about you guys. Want to play a restaurant with me? Yeah, I would love to. Where's your restaurant? Right over there. Great, and what's your doll's name? Her name is Potato Chips. Oh, I love Potato Chips.
1: Yeah. Potato Chips are my favorite.
0: Oh, nice one.
4: Can we be the Clippers? Oh, I'm more of a Lakers fan. Oh, well, sorry. No, no, you don't have to say sorry. That's okay. We could be the Clippers, all right? Well, okay. I'm gonna shoot. You crash the boards, okay? okay sure. Oh, no! Oh. oh, shoot. You did it on purpose. What? You hit me because I like the Clippers. Buddy, I think the Clippers are awesome. I love the Clippers. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So smart to get rid of Blake Griffin. We're I mean, that was a great trade We're for them. We're
0: obsessed with the Clippers. I can't get enough of them. They're, they're amazing.
4: Okay. Um, Well, can we play hide-and-seek? Are you sure? You lost a lot of blood. I love hide-and-seek. Okay, but just us, no girls. Oh.
0: Sure. Not that progressive, but no problem. Should we, Lita, should we go play restaurants? Yeah. You're it. I'll hide. You count, okay? Okay, you sure you're okay? Yeah, go. go, on, count. All right, buddy.
4: Count to 20. You better not embarrass me at the restaurant. Potato chips has been
2: bad today. Bad girl! Bad, bad, bad! Don't talk back, you little beaner! Oh. Ah. Uh, I don't think
0: You that's know
4: a... what? She picks up that stuff off the TV. Yeah. Oh, don't give me the look.
0: Also oh, call her bad names like that. Don't tell
4: me how to treat my kid. You think you're better than me, huh?
3: You guys kind of got the gist of it, that um, they show up, the The kids have been living at a previous um, foster home, and then they're meeting them for the first time, and then Juan gets hit in the nose with a basketball. He starts bleeding. It's just a lot of, that I actually think is accurate based on our experience so far that um, you know with us with our experience we weren't necessarily going into it thinking adoption the kids were in an emergency situation and came to live with us but there still is at the beginning when they show up a little bit of hesitancy and um, you know trying to figure out like are do, do you feel safe with me what are things that I can do to help you feel comfortable it's unfamiliar, a little bit awkward, and they're really careful to not overpromise when they said, are we going to come live with you now? They're they're backpedaling a little bit, trying to set expectations, because if it does get uncomfortable, they don't want the kids to um, be heartbroken. They're trying to set that expectation at the beginning. So it is um, it it feels a little bit like you're babysitting for a little while until you really get those relationships established.
2: Going to that the question of what do you call people in foster care and how do you figure that out? Um, we haven't totally figured that out our, ourselves. Like there there is a lot of that back and forth at the beginning. Um, I know you know after our first placement, um, we had a few short term placements and um, like uh, respite where we were just you know helping another foster parent out for a weekend, and we thought okay let's try just having them call us. Mrs. and and Mr. Gallagher, Mr. and Mrs. uh, You know Miss Miss Alicia, Mr. Shane, Um, and yeah, it. I don't know it. I think it's kind of up to everybody and like the culture you want to have in your home. I I don't know if I felt a preference one or another, Um, but then, you know it it definitely changes and morphs throughout the relationship i know a lot of or i know a lot of times and it's happened with the kids in our home that they actually called us mommy and daddy in public before they they ever said that at home and i think it was maybe to give them more um like normalcy like uh you know when they're around their friends or something they they don't want to look or feel weird and so they might feel comfortable calling us mom and dad out in public, but they're not going to do that at home,
1: which is kind of interesting. One follow-up question. And I imagine you've had some connections with other foster parents. Um, So you shared a little bit about your personal experience about how you call people or what you call people. Any other things that you've heard of from other foster parents as far as like maybe pro tips or things to avoid?
3: I think that the biggest piece of advice that we hear is to see what the child is comfortable with. You can introduce yourself uh, by your first name if you're okay with them calling you by their first name. I know that in some communities, um, it's a sign of respect to an adult to say Mr. or Miss. And so you kind of can ask them what they want to call you. And really, I think that's been the, um, just letting the child lead it because you don't want to force mommy and daddy um, into their vocabulary if that's not something that they're ready with ready for. And so letting the child lead that is um been like the most consistent piece of advice that we've heard from other people.
1: And I had another question, maybe not particularly related to the the listener question about what we call people, but um, as you listen to or watch that clip, um, any maybe specific other thoughts or feelings resonate with what you see? Um, And again, how could those potentially considering foster care or foster to adopt um, learn or relate from your experience?
3: Yeah, Tori actually just sent me a question asking, um, is this seen typical um, or not, or like going to the existing foster home? to pick up the children or usually in a neutral location. I would say um, in our experience, it's always been a neutral location. When it's a foster to adopt, it might be a little bit different because it's not emergency removal. It's more like, um, you know, you're trying to like set that up. You're trying to meet them where they are. and If it's a good fit, then move them instead of going to one place, it not working out and then going back. So I think it would depend on what the goal is in the end. But other things that we have noticed in this, you know, when when they are going to that environment, um, although we haven't experienced that with going to another foster home to engage with the kids, we have seen that in going to the uh, biological families' homes. Sometimes they, you know, the way that they are talking to the kids, um, you're a little bit uncomfortable with, but you can't really stop it. You, um, you're, you're kind of there to observe and see if you're in a situation to, you know, safely divert away from talking negatively to the children, or you hear the children say negative things about themselves, ling- language that they've picked up. And so it's a lot, it can be really overwhelming at the beginning because it, they're coming from a completely different situation than you. So I think you get a sense of that when you're watching Pete and Ellie, like, they're a little bit anxious, you kind of get that anxious energy, uh, because I think it can be overwhelming to see and be in that environment for the first time.
1: Really good. And then maybe one more question that I have, and this maybe will come up several times, but as we do these adoption in the media series, one of the maybe critical questions we ask is how, how true to life is this um, representation? So how would you answer that as far as Maybe some of the feelings or emotions held on both sides. Um, do you think this is an accurate representation or is it over dramatized overdramatized as Hollywood? So um my my feeling is that
2: and and I think you can kind of see this in the movie that there are there are parts in the movie that feel a little bit clunky and and the conversa- the dialogue is a little bit weird. Um I feel like the interactions with the adults, they're like trying to get information out there. And so it's, I don't know, like the, like the support group scenes, we've never really had an experience like that. And kind of like the way they, you know, they sprung it on them in the support group that like, oh, the kids are actually going to be going home. Like that would never happen like in a public setting like that. But I think that they like, nailed all the interactions with the kids like there's so many things in there that's like wow we've had that exact experience and things might be a little bit embellished but not that not that embellished actually <laughs> it can be it can be that and like down to the little interactions of like well do we do we need to give them a kiss goodnight? night and and then you know then saying okay well if we gave them one do we need to go give lizzie a hug and she's like no i don't <laughs> like you're good It's like all that stuff I feel like is very, felt very familiar, very authentic and uh, yeah.
1: Thank you, that's great.
0: So foster care, it can be super intimidating and this is a scene about the first initial meeting when everyone's talking about what foster care looks like and the social workers say some things that might kind of scare off some people.
1: Yeah, uh, Any, I mean, as we are about to listen to this, anything Shane or Alicia you feel like we should be thinking about or maybe on our minds as we listen to this clip?
3: I would just look at the different uh, parties that are in this scene and the way that they are reacting, whether spoken or not.
1: Okay,
2: great. It is not gonna be easy, folks. These kids will test your will put a strain on your relationship, and push buttons
0: you didn't even know you had. Now, I can
2: tell by looking at you that not all y'all are gonna make it.
0: I actually think this group has got the grit to face some unpleasant... Uh, so you, you guys heading out? Okay, well, thank you. Bye-bye. All
3: wait. Right, that one's on me.
0: It absolutely is, and you know what? We've gone over this before. Yeah. So we had someone ask, did you experience a honeymoon period after foster kids came into your home? And then coming out of that honeymoon period, it's super hard in the movie. Was it like that for you? Any advice for getting through that?
2: I would say we absolutely did. Um, The first time around, um, I remember the first few days, it, it was a pretty short period, but the first few days, everything just seemed fun and happy and they were very well behaved, and then I don't, I don't know if it was, you know what it, you know what it was, but then it just kind of devolved into a nightmare, kind of like in the movie, you know, the the sleeping habits and the behavior and the you know screaming and misbehavior. Yeah, it was it, it there it definitely wore off, um, and then it gets better. Um, and then this with, you know, I think our situation is pretty unique that they went home for a year and now that they're, they're back with us again. Um, and it definitely has not been as extreme, but I think we definitely went through the same, um, motions where the, the first few weeks, you know, it was fun that they were, they were excited to be back with, you know, Shane and Alicia and, um, I think when it said in that oh we're not going home right away we definitely saw you know regression in their in their behavior and everything but um they also got through that stage a lot faster too than last time so um, yeah def- there's definitely a honeymoon period
3: and really I think the the best way that we've seen to um get through those those hard times is to be consistent as a parent have those routines and do what you say you're going to do whether it's you promise a reward follow through on that or if you say that there are consequences to a certain action follow through on that because I think especially when the kids don't know you they have no reason to trust a stranger they're in a house I mean I think of the times that I would go over to a friend's house just for the night, and even that, after a little while, you kind of just want to get back home because you know where your toys are, you know what the routine is. Even going over to grandma and grandpa's house would feel a little bit like that. So imagine being traumatically separated and then put into a stranger's home. They don't really have any reason to believe you or trust you until you show that they can believe you and trust you. So It takes time for them to see uh, that you'll be consistent, you'll do what you say you will do, uh, and you'll connect with them. And then after a while, they start to, I think, have a a more secure attachment because they believe you and they see that you love them through your actions. There's not enough comfort in the world that can really fill that hole for them, but that consistency will provide that structure so then they can trust you and feel safe. And
2: the other advice that I feel like I'll probably end up giving a dozen times throughout this is that you have to lower your expectations uh, that these these kids are not going to be well adjusted like you, you know your own kids that you've raised from birth in a safe and you know healthy environment or your neighbor's kids or your your know, nieces and nephews like they're just they're just not. They're they're going to they, they're coming with trauma and that is going to come out in behavior and um and uh and, and their actions and their fears and their their triggers and it's it just comes with it just comes with it and you just have to be ready to say yeah you, you have to be ready to lower your expectations on how fast they're gonna um, adjust, how and how well they're going to meet those expectations that you may have for other kids.
3: And yeah. when Shane says that he gives that advice a lot, he he gives that advice to me a lot. I'll get frustrated about something because I will have thought we've seen progress in this, and now you know this thing has happened and now we're regressing. Um so Shane will he'll just look at me and say, you need to lower your expectations all the way to the floor. Like it'll just use that hand motion and just, just, you have to take the, um, the, the expressions of, of trauma as they come and just lower it all the way. Sometimes like, obviously you can't do it all the time. They do need structure, but there are days when you just have to let go of a lot of that. And you just, you learn how to do that with practice. There's not that silver bullet that will tell you, when to lean on structure and when to go into compassion. And um, you, you, you figure out a way to blend all of that together.
1: In that challenge, I've, it sounds like you are a great uh, companionship in, in helping with that, but what other support do you feel like you have maybe in support groups or in other education? Um, have you felt like you've had to deal with some of that challenge? So um,
2: that's that's the other thing to remember is that you're not alone. That the kids will have a caseworker uh, that you can talk to. They will be advocating for them and giving them resources that they need, like a therapist um, or you know s- supplies or whatever resource they need. Um, and then you, as a foster parent, Will also have a caseworker um, who's advocating for you. They're gonna help you with um, getting, you know, respite workers so that you can have, you know, if you need a weekend away from it all, um, or even just a night away from it. Uh, um, they will also be advocating for the kids and and getting them the resources that they need. Uh, and um, unfortunately. You, it does take um, advocating for yourself to utilize those things. You, they're they're busy, and so you you have to make noise to to access that. Um, but but those resources are there. You just use and you just need to make sure that you're asking for them from your caseworkers, and and then and then you'll start to realize you have a whole team of people to help.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you. So in this clip. We have this huge group of people who are taking introductory classes to being a foster parent and just laying right out flat. This is going to be really hard. It's going to test you. It's going to test your marriage and patience. Um, And from what you've shared, that sounds that sounds really accurate. Um, I'm wondering if anybody else um, guest wise here in the Zoom call has any follow up questions as far as challenges go uh, for Shane and Alicia before we move on.
0: Um, I guess is there anything? I don't, I don't know what the right word is. Like hurtful that people have maybe said or done that, like, is not necessary. Like, I just feel like I really want to make sure I never say anything that's like hurtful in or in any way.
3: Yeah, that one is hard because foster care is not a well understood trauma. There's like a, a, I've been hearing terms like ambiguous or disenfranchised. Uh, grief, where it's not widely understood by society. And so it's not always easy to lend support to the kids, unless you have specific training or lend support to the parents. So it's a really good question. I think that um, when we, there's something that we hear a lot, and we know that it's not intended harmfully, but we could see it being taken that way, is when people say things like, um, you know, the kids are so lucky to have you, it, it. I understand where that sentiment is coming from because, in a lot of ways, um, they there is a lot of um, gratitude that they can be in a safe place now. But I think with older kids, they probably, if they're within earshot of hearing that, they might not feel like that. They're like, "What do you like? What about my situation is lucky exactly?" So um, I think that when offering support to um, to foster parents that like encouraging and validating um what what they're doing and their efforts and just like you're strong you know you can do this i'm sure this is hard and then being consistent in showing up and just stepping in um offering solutions or help or food or clothes or toys like those actions will go a long way to establish that relationship so then you don't have to feel like you're walking on eggshells of like if I say the wrong thing because if it's words only, then you know it could be dicey. But if you're showing with your actions that you are there for them, then that goes a really long way.
1: Wonderful question, Allison, and thank you, Alicia Shane. Did you have a thought to add to that?
2: Uh, no. That uh, the only the only other thing that I was going to say uh was specifically for supporting foster parents. Um, I, I it, it is um, a really unique trauma also for foster parents that they're, you know, they go from, they, for, for us, for instance, like we went from having no kids to having three kids in our home. And sometimes what's been like more hurtful is when people don't ask or there's like no curiosity. And it'll be like, am I invisible is like, you, like, this is a huge thing happening in my life. And you're not even curious. um, That that's, that's one experience that we've had specifically about like supporting foster parents. Um, And then the kids, I think Alicia made a really good point about, you know, that they're not, they don't feel lucky and that that might just not be the right, it might not be ex, it might not be received the way that they, that you're hoping it to be received.
1: Thank you again for sharing. That's, I I don't know. I personally would like error, I think on the side of not asking too many questions, like not prying, but I, th- I think that's really refreshing to hear that there's probably some needed connection that needs to happen Um, and and we could be supportive of that thank yeah, you
0: yeah asking the right questions and yeah, yeah. respectfully. yeah
1: we're, we're going to transition now to talking about triggers and traumas so again here is another clip specifically talking about trauma
4: where's my potato chips
1: oh we're not having chips tonight Munchkin. sorry
0: i want my chips lita lizzie pete and i worked really hard on this dinner and there's lots of yummy food for you to eat no hey, hey lita hey. vete
4: a tu cuarto Oye, hey, hey. hey, hey, por qué Lizzie, Lizzie, yeah. please, Lizzie. No, okay. I've got this. Why are you yelling at me? I'm just trying to help you. I'm not yelling.
0: I'm. So, I am. Just then, I was. But it's. Look, Nita, don't do what Lizzie just said. What, what did you say? Quattro, Go to your bedroom. No, Cuatro means quart, but...
4: like quart of milk, right? She said okay. you. You're not going to have yeah. potato chip, but you will drink that milk.
0: In, in any case, we have this. It's fine. Okay, fine. Okay, let's try some of this meatloaf. Okay. No, hey. i Having
4: chips. Yeah, I don't think she's getting on board with the plan, no. honey. I don't
0: want this!
4: You sure you don't want to just give her some chips?
0: No, we're not giving her chips.
4: We're just going to eat... Lita, some Oh, my. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. Don't cry. Relax. Okay, don't wait. Uh, Watch
0: your feet, freeze, okay? Crazy! I'm so, so careful, sorry, Hey, okay? you give those to me. Give Calm down. Don't oh. cry. Don't I'll get it.
4: Chip. Just stay there, Walter. Right? These are really, really good
0: containers. Oh, hey. oh,
4: God. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Oh, God. What are the... you doing? Oh, Lita, stop. stop. What are you doing? What? I'm trying to put it out. You
0: ketchup?
4: Put it out. okay. Oh, Sorry. Right. Right. Lita? Wait, 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 what's that noise? Why is she growling? That wasn't in the classes. I got nothing for that. She's got a knife? It's just a sponge It's knife. still a knife. Just put the knife down, honey. Look, kid, just put down the weapon, okay? You guys want me to do with this, or do you still got it? Yeah, do you want to let her jump in here now, please? Okay, okay, fine, fine. Mira. a bañarte. tu cuarto. Gracias. No, you gotta learn some Spanish. Why would you give a kid milk in a glass cup? I'm sorry, I didn't. Why did you? Do not, I
0: hate her. all right so we got a few questions from listeners that related to that clip uh, one of them was how do you know if a foster situation is something you can handle especially with addiction abuse and other things i haven't experienced personally so in that scene it's kind of wild so yeah i thought how do you know if you can handle something before you're there
3: yeah and it was this is really entertaining to just listen to it actually because I think that any parent can relate to what that sounds like. You know, maybe last night at dinner was like that. Honestly, I think that's very relatable on any level. And then you add in that the parents are, and the kids are still kind of strangers to each other. And the, you probably heard the fight over the potato chips, which if you remember from the earlier clip, the, uh, the little girl named her doll Potato Chips. And just mentions offhand, I really like potato chips. And then later, it turns into this huge thing where she's not getting her potato chips. She likes them. She's not getting them and has this huge tantrum. So I think it's a really, um, really well done example of at the beginning, you're just getting to know each other and you don't know what's going to be a trigger and what's not going to be a trigger. Maybe another kid is going to be, you know, the, the. The doll, like you you can't bring the doll somewhere and that would be their trigger. This little girl, it was the potato chip. So I think there are a lot of things that, um, that can happen that you can't anticipate. And so I think it's good to remember that you are never left on your own. Um, you always have a social worker that you can call. You can always advocate for um, if something doesn't feel normal to speak up and ask for help. And so sometimes that could be with a social worker, or other times that might be with the community that you're building of friends and family and other foster parents that can support you through it. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot to be said about trusting that you can problem solve and and do the best that you can. There's not always that one thing that's going to make it better. Um, but if you can like trust your future self to take it as it comes, just like you've done with other things in your life or with your current kids. Um like if you have kids already, then you I you can um you can know when something is feeling right or when something's feeling uncomfortable and you need to speak up about it.
1: Have you personally had experiences like what we just listened to? Yeah.
3: <laughs> we
2: I feel like we've there's been times when we definitely hit our limit and like we're screaming they're screaming and it's just like crazy um i the the thing with the potato chips one of the it's subtle later on in the movie i think it's really easy to miss because i think at another dinner scene they're eating spaghetti or something and they have potato chips on top of the spaghetti for. so it's like they compromise um And, uh, like the, I, I think it was in another question, um, about like feeling like you're co-parenting with the bio family and the government and stuff, um, like your role as a foster parent, it, and it's really hard to get this to really sink in, but like you're there to provide them a safe place and, and to love them. And that might be very different than what you see your role as your parent, as a parent to other kids, um, or, you know, to, to the kids that are already in your home. Um, like we had a, we had a training just the other night and they were talking about, a, uh, there was a lady who was talking about her teenage um, foster placement and uh, that he just keeps running away. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, with my kids, like I wouldn't just let my teenager just keep leaving. You know, you can't I'm you gonna know, lock your door or something, you know, you can't just go out. It's not safe. Um, but like there's rules, like you're not allowed to physically restrain these kids and which is pro it's just a good thing. We probably should do that with our own kids too. But uh like you're you're not they're not gonna uh let's see how how should i say this like you have you have to let go and and realize that they might make really bad decisions bad decisions that you would not even give your other kids the chance to make but your job is just to make sure that they have a safe place to come home um and that they feel loved and welcomed um And so you have to, you have to keep your own kids safe, you know, that there's with, especially with things like addiction and abuse and stuff, you want to be careful. Like the training that that we got the other night was like, always make sure that you are in between them and the door so that if they get violent, you have a way out, which is just like a really dark thing to have to think about when you're parenting a child. Um, And then for younger kids, especially with with this stuff they're still very innocent and um they'll bring up things about their trauma um and i think you just have to meet them on their level they're going to be talking very light about some really dark things and you just want to keep them talking so that you can you know that you can then report what's happening to um to their caseworker because that's all you know you're a mandated reporter and this is all stuff that's going to go into their um you know their reunification plan and and stuff like that um but you know it 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 takes like kind of putting a barrier in your heart or like uh because you'll want to just like react maybe really strongly when you hear your two-year-old say the f-word or something or you know talk about something really traumatic um but you just have to kind of say okay like this is where we are and um and again like lowering your expectations for for how a child is supposed to act or what they're supposed to say and um Hopefully, once you do that, at least you can take the pressure off of yourself of getting a certain outcome. Um, you know, there's still, I, I, I realize that there's still that stress of safety or um, feeling overwhelmed and stuff. And that, that's part of it that you can't um, avoid that. But maybe you can take the pressure off of like, seeing some miraculous change um, when if you realize maybe that's not what your role is.
1: Great, Um, thank you for sharing that. Another question that we had from a listener and feel free to answer this how you will, but um, they asked, how do you set boundaries and keep everyone safe? Or how do you have a relationship with people who have had a very different lived experience than you? How might you answer that?
3: I really like this question. Uh, It's clearly coming from someone who's thinking deeply about what that would look like. And I think that the, uh, the biggest thing that you have in common with these people that might feel very different from you is the kids. So with their biological family, they might have grown up very differently and are still living in very different circumstances than you are. Not all the time, but sometimes that can be the case. And um, I, when your focus is on the kids and you're showing that you respect the kids and you respect them as the grandparents or the parents, that goes a long way. When the kids were reunified, so the kids that we were fostering, uh, when they were reunified with their mom, uh, we were the ones bringing them to the visits, dropping them off and then and then leaving. And it took a long, long time to build trust. Um, And we didn't really have a lot of time to talk in those transfers. And so we just, um, I did my best to be on time to those visits and bring the kids in nice clothes, hair done, just showing that with, with all the little bits that we could do to show that we love the kids, we're taking care of them, we respect you, we're on time. We'll be flexible if kids are having a hard time leaving and letting those actions speak louder than anything that we could say. And then over time, uh, she led us into her life so that we could continue to be a part of them, um, a part of their lives. So it's those um, like focusing on the kids and letting those actions speak for themselves will make a, could make a difference. It's of course, their uh, choice if they are going to accept uh, that or not, they might not want to have a relationship with you, but again, what Shane said I think is really important, letting go of any particular outcome. You might not ever be friends with them. they might not ever show uh, gratitude, but that's that's not the point. Uh, the point is to be there for the kids.
1: Thank you. And then another question and this may lead into our next kind of topic but, when you make these bonds and the kids might have to leave your family and home, how do you grieve? And then I know that you've you've gone through this because you had a placement, they left, and then like you mentioned, they came back about a year later. Um, and then a, a kind of a follow-up question, how do you build these attachments knowing that you're probably going to get hurt?
2: I, I feel like Alicia and I, neither one want to answer the question. Cause I don't know if we're super good at it. Um, it is, it is really hard. Uh, I, I guess reiterating what Alicia just said that, um, you know, that like really divorcing the outcome from what you're doing, um, is really important. And, and, um, like that, you're not. You're not. Be, if becoming a foster parent, the goal can be doing foster to adopt, um, but recognizing and understanding that that is not a guarantee, um, and that the goal of foster care is reunification, and um, and you're you're not doing it. For you, this is it. It does have to be a one hundred percent selfless act, um, not to pat my own back because there's you still have a heart and you're still gonna have to deal with it. And the, I would say the thing that we tried to do when, um, when the kids went home because it was a lot, and we were feeling it and. Um, it was it was especially hard for Alicia because um she was based, she was full-time mom and then the kids went home and now what am I doing with her day? They're, they're, for me, I still had I still got to go to my job for eight hours a day. Um, you know, I didn't have that same disruption when they went home. And um so I the what we came up with then is we need to figure, we need to structure our lives in such a way that foster kids are coming in and out of our home, in and out of our lives, and we're not completely morphing our lives around foster care so that, you know, there's some sort of uh, flow from before, during, and after foster care. And we, you know, we thought that what that would be was Alicia, you know, we need to have a part-time job or a full-time job during it. You know, so that, you know, before, during, and after, she could still have that um, in her life. We, we obviously haven't kept with that plan because, you know, she quit her job when, when the kids came back. Um, but I still think that's good advice. We just, we haven't figured out exactly how to do that.
3: But I actually, we're having a realization on the spot that I think that might um, be evidence that we're getting more comfortable with ambiguity, that at in one moment, knowing that I have a, a job and something to structure my time with or without kids was really helpful. And then when three kids came back into our lives, and it became evident that for us to have quality of life, I would much rather be spending time at home than Uh, spending my free time trying to squeeze a job in um that that became the right answer and try and trusting that that if and when they go home again that something else will be the right answer and we'll figure it out when we get there so letting go of really letting go of a lot of things so that we can um enjoy our lives enjoy time with the kids so there's been a lot of um embracing ambiguity that has been really helpful for us.
0: Awesome, thank you guys so much. That's a really hard thing. So in the movie, I feel like the most emotional part is when the family finds out that the kids are going to be going back with their mom and they're all getting ready for that. And then the morning that she's supposed to come and pick them up, the social workers pull up and say, you know, you're not going to be able to go home with your mom. And it's just this heartbreaking scene for Lizzie, the oldest, because she worked really hard trying to help her mom be able to get them back home. And so we're going to watch or listen to one last scene. And that's what happens right after she finds out she runs away and just really upset. And so we'll get to where Pete and Ellie find Lizzie and are talking about what's going on, just processing this development.
4: You're with us now. Yeah. And you know why? We've got a cosmic connection. That's right. We've got a cosmic connection. I know. You feel really sorry for me right now, but you really don't It's got nothing to do with what just happened. Where's the court statement Ellie gave you?
0: See this? Read that.
4: Lizzie once asked me why we did this. Why we took them in. We couldn't give her an answer at the time. We did it because something was missing in our lives that we didn't know what it was. It was Juan, Lita, and Lizzie. You see? You were what was missing, Lizzie. But now you're here, and you are stuck with us. That's right. All right. We're gonna be at every soccer game. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be all over your ass about your grades. Yeah. And we're gonna buy you your first prom dress. Yeah, and
0: it's gonna be really, really pretty, but not too revealing super sweet, you know, not too sexy, just like really that gorgeous sweet spot.
4: Yeah, right, and when you graduate high school, we're gonna be in the front row embarrassing you. And then we're gonna be in the front row again when you graduate college too, or even if you don't.
0: But you will be graduating college because it's so important, and you're so smart, and I don't mean to push, but it just opens up so many more opportunities. But either way, we're gonna be there for you.
4: And someday, I'm gonna give you away at your wedding. Right, even if I think the guy's a piss ant and he's not good enough for my little girl.
0: That's right. Someday in the future. Someday in the way,
3: way, way off, deep, deep, deep
0: distant future.
3: Lizzie, can we go home now?
4: Yeah, I guess we can.
3: <laughs> Look, I know you don't like this, but you're gonna have to get used to it once in a while, okay? Can
4: I get one of those? Because I haven't gotten a single hug from you since I've known you. <laughs> Please. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, so we're about out of time. Alicia and Shane, we would love to have you guys wrap up last thoughts and any last things you want to make sure we talk about, especially in regards to unknowns and all of these different challenges in the foster care community.
2: Um, I okay just with um, with that clip in mind um, that uh, taking a child away from their bio parents, whether it's through adoption or foster care is incredibly traumatic everybody goes through trauma and Alicia and I are obviously super big supporters of adoption but it's still a trauma. Um, and um you know at the end of the movie you see you know it's this big happy ending in the courtroom and everybody's smiling there's happy music but there's somebody there who there's somebody who's not in that picture um and that's and it's really tragic um that you know these kids had to be separated from uh from their bio mom and you know i guess if somebody was really brave, they could do like a mere uh, movie of showing Carlita's experience through throughout this whole thing, um, uh, because it it really is tragic and traumatic, and um, so you just have to. I don't know. I I've been trying to keep that in my mind, um, especially when I get. Um, really possessive of these kids of like i want i want them and i want them forever um and i don't want them to go back to like to remember that um and that uh you know we you know just like if somebody you know gets a you know has to get an amputation you don't make that decision lightly but it might be the best decision for them and they can live a happy full life afterwards but it's it's a huge weighty thing to, to think about. And so I guess that's kind of the sobering thought that I want to like leave, you know, with the, with the emotional happy moment of everybody hugging and, and, and feeling, you know, that connection.
3: So in foster care, it is encouraged to, for the kids to have a relationship with their bio family, as long as it's safe, they will be, um, a visit schedule will be established where it is supervised between the caseworker and the bio parent and the child. So you would bring the the children to the visit. Caseworker would supervise, make notes of how things are going, and then the parent also has to meet other requirements to get to have that right to have their kids back in their home safely. And that could be anything from um, from therapy to rehab to parenting classes. It could be any number of things. So yes, since reunification is typically the goal, uh, so that biofamilies can get their lives back together, back in order, then that is definitely encouraged.
2: And in case you were asking about after an adoption, I I think it would be the same as any open adoption that you know it's up to the adopted parents, um, on you know their level, what they're comfortable with. Um, with relationship with the bio family.
3: yeah,
1: that's a that's a great point. Shannon and Alicia as we as we finish, um, again, the whole impetus of this chat was about this movie. Um, so recommend, don't recommend. Uh, what, yeah, what are your kind of final thoughts on on that?
3: Yeah, definitely recommend it. We it's one of our favorites that we come back to because it's so accurate uh obviously, it's dramatized, but just the emotion of it is very accurate. The roller coaster is accurate and it's impressive that they put together this movie on such a serious topic, but they do it in a really humorous way without uh without anything offensive in it um I haven't found anything that's you know they to- they do not understand foster parents or the kids in foster care. So it's, um, lots of dark humor, lots of conversations that we have had jokingly. Um, and we just, we recommend it to anybody who's like, you know, what's foster care like? We say, just watch instant family because start there. You'll probably like it. We can talk more about it, but it's a really good starting point to, um, understand what it's like.
2: Yep. The same there there's obvious, you know, there's obviously, you know, storytelling elements, you know, they wanted a happy ending and, um, and they they, did a lot of things that made sense for storytelling that maybe weren't too realistic. I don't know how easy it would be to keep your kids like if you got arrested. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, so there was a lot of dramatization. But the feeling and the tone of the movie, they nailed it. So it's, it's a good movie
0: thank you guys so very much we really appreciate you talking and sharing your experiences with us and again i i personally i think this movie is well done too and i don't really have experience in the foster care world but i did feel so heartbroken about the portrayal of the biological mother and just the way that things came about i remember watching it the first time and thinking man i wish there was some way that they could keep like ensure maybe in the show in the movie at least ensure that the kids are still going to have her in their lives and find some kind of way to make this a more positive experience ultimately for everybody having those pieces so yeah and I I love yeah that you guys advocate for that so much
3: yeah and um right as advocates for open adoption too that was a, a downplayed part of like the role that a mom you know the bio mom would have in this in this situation and like Shane said we want to see you know some other movie or other portrayals from her perspective because often it's not so clear-cut of what should yeah. happen
2: yeah.
3: Um, and there can be a lot of compassion and but just even when they see her, they're like, "She, you know, she looks so normal." I don't know what it's expecting. Even that alone, I think, did a good job of subverting expectations because there is a very outdated view of the kids that come into foster care and the situation that their parents are in. Um, there is, there's a stereotype, and it's not, it's not accurate. They can be for lots of different reasons. So, um, so we want, we want more of these stories to round out the conversation.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. I agree. Yeah.
3: Just along with that, you, know, you think about how traumatic this is
2: for the kids to have to get pulled from their home um, and how bad uh, things have to be to justify that, and then how hard of a time they're going to have dealing with that trauma. Um, on the flip side, you think about, okay, if, if we're just looking at the bio mom, um, you know, we want her to be happy and successful as well and taking her kids away is incredibly traumatic and it in the short term will probably make things worse for her you know there's going to be deep deep depression and the maybe the little bit of accountability that she was feeling because oh i need to keep things together because of my kids and now they're out of the picture um you know there's just like you have to think like okay how bad does it have to be for me to to do this to enact this trauma on her so that she can uh, so that she can get better too? And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 really hard. <laughs> it's just hard.
0: So hard. I really appreciate this full picture view that you guys are painting now.
1: Yeah, well, Shane and Alicia, thank you so much. Allison, Jessica, Torrey, thank you for joining us and ans- asking some questions. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you. We're, we're glad that we could watch this movie and the, that it's a, a pretty accurate portrayal of uh, what foster care might might be like. So thank you all so, so much.
3: Thank you. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Open Adoption Project.
1: Yeah, well, that wraps up this episode. We're so grateful to Shane and Alicia and those that joined live on the Zoom chat for the conversation we were able to have today on the movie Instant Family.
0: Our next couple of episodes, we are super excited about. So we found a couple of adult adoptees who grew up with open adoption. We've had Dakota on the podcast before. He's talked about his experience growing up with an open adoption, but it can be hard to find adult adoptees who are older adults who have experienced really open adoptions where they had ongoing contact and relationships with their birth family. And so we have our next two episodes, are interviews with adults who grew up with that kind of openness when it was really a lot less common and sometimes just unheard of. And so hearing these perspectives, we're so excited to share them. It was a really neat experience to talk to both of these women who will be on the show the next couple of episodes. So
1: watch your download feed for that. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project.